All right, today I'm here with Samir Patel, 500 Startups mentor, also the founder of Do Revolution, which is one of our companies that we love. Um, thank you so much for being here, Samir. Samir is sort of like a, I would say, a growth expert. Like, you know a ton about marketing, a ton about getting startups um, in front of the right people. So I just wanted to pick your brain about that. So thanks for being here today. Thank you, Mark. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, so to start out, um, what is Do Revolution, your company, and sort of how did you, how did you launch that? Yeah, so Do Revolution um, was actually a lot of the ideas I got after, you know, mentoring a lot of startups at 500 because I saw like a clear need for um, companies to get like start growing in the right with the right foundation mm-hmm. and, uh, as well as scale up with the right, um, right tool sets and right people processes. So there's the origination of that. And then before that, um, the, it, it has a good link back to my last company. Um, it's called Searchforce. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was a company that I encountered and started when um, I just graduated uh, from my school at Cornell. And my my main problem was I was managing these AdWords campaign, running my own um, tutoring company online. Mm-hmm. And um, I started buying keywords. So we were tutoring statistics first and then mathematics and physics and 50 subjects. And I started buying keywords on overture and then when google adwords started i started buying that Um, but then i realized like i wasn't using the math and statistics and optimizations i was learning in my mba to these campaigns right so kind of math and data science was under applied back in 2004 so that was kind of the rise of search force uh we manage a a billion dollars in spend um today and um, we run nation's top advertisers like Priceline, Scottrade, um, AT&T, Experian. So it's a combined combined billion dollars in spend. And the idea was how to automate cross-channel optimization. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of spawned my experience with building systems and mathematical systems and trading systems that kind of help optimize ROI for ads. And kind of do revolution is um, kind of the new generation of that. So optimizing ads, so so applying all that data science to ads, but the person doesn't need to understand data science, at least at the level that you do, right? Yeah, exactly. That's the exact point is there is, as you know, there has been a cost per click inflation, you know, Facebook inflation. Now Twitter ads are getting more and more expensive and more complex. But, uh, and there's literally just like PageRank has so many, you know, so many variables you have to optimize to, to get SEO right you have to get, you have to optimize so many variables to get SEM, right? So we automate all that. So the, the user just has to set up the goals and the constraints and the systems takes over from there. Yeah. So I know it's a really broad topic. You know, growth is super hot right now and the startup scene, like, I know, uh, you know, you were doing this before people probably were calling it growth hacking. Right. Um, so or data science. Data science, <laughs> yeah. So what was... Uh, what was your path to sort of becoming an expert in this field? Like, you know, obviously you mentioned your education, but a lot of people emphasize the need to just like really do experiments in order to understand growth. So what were what were some of the things you did to really, really understand startup growth? Yeah, so I mean, that has been, I mean, that, that's an example just kind of applied to my own startup. And I, I always loved um, tinkering with things. So that's like the keyword of my life is, you know, I'm not um, happy with the status quo in a lot of ways. Like I just want to try different things and figure out what works the best and yeah. what optim- what's optimal. So now, obviously, it has become more of a practice uh, with a lot of rigorous discipline around 
data and analytics and experiments uh, in a more sophisticated way. But the attitude that I bring to the whole equation is, um, whole problem is that. Tinkering. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think, so just speak specifically about one channel that you know a lot about, AdWords. Um, for a company that is starting out, you know, say they have their product, like they're launching it, they want to get out there in front of people and maybe position themselves against competitors, like what's a way for them to do research into relevant keywords and who they should be paying attention to in the space? Wow, great question. So Google has a really good tool called uh, Google Planner. So for the search network, you can use uh, Google Keyword Planner. And for the display network, um, you can use the display planner that Google already has. In terms of just kind of getting a hang of competition, there are some amazing tools out there. One of them is called uh, SpyFu, S-P-Y-F-U. Another one is called SEM Rush. Um, so the idea is like you're trying to get a feel of what the competition is buying, their budgets, their average CPCs, um, their ads that they're running. So you can know, you know, comparative positioning and branding and so on. Um, there's other tools like compete.com that lets you um, look at competitive metrics across all channels. And the last one that's really awesome is called Moat, M-O-A-T, that lets you just do a competitive display uh, research. So for example, you can, get a, you can enter the brand name or the keyword mm -hmm. and it will pull in uh, everywhere your competitor is running display ads. It will also tell you the location where they're running, on what blogs, on what websites. So that lets you help refine your targeting as well. Awesome. And then you mentioned sort of social ads a second ago and the, uh, the price for per, per click inflation, um, which is actually really interesting because when I used to work at Box, I remember they introduced Twitter ads and we started experimenting with them a little bit. And back then it was super cheap. Like you could, you know, spend, you could probably spend a hundred bucks and like do something interesting there. And now I know just because really big brands are on there, it's startups really don't, most of them don't have the budget to really run ads on there because they're these big, big, big brands running um, Twitter campaigns. But what are some of the things you've seen on those ad networks that you think are interesting or maybe some of the strategies you've seen that you've seen that you think are, are, are useful? Yeah, so, so I mean, the first question is how do, uh, for startups, the most important question is, okay, how can I do more with less mm -hmm. and at least get statistically significant data to blow up you know, the channel if I need to, right? Yep. So for, for that to happen, what one needs to do is to have a niche niche strategy, right? In marketing, you find your niche and you kind of grow it, grow from there, right? So yep. it's similar, Google AdWords, Facebook, uh, and Twitter has so many audiences and so many ways you can target. So what one needs to do is to figure out a nice match between um, their target audience, their message, and the platform like that they want to use, right? Yeah. So by platform in AdWords, for example, I mean AdWords for video, um, display ads, search network, uh, topic targeting. So they need to figure out which one is the optimal for them and it be able to target target right there. So for example, um, a quick tip on it is the, right now the AdWords video network has, you know, five to 10 cost per view, which is five cents cost per view, which is super, super inexpensive. Mm -hmm. And it's just that it's a new market and people haven't produced enough videos or trusted enough and figured out what to do. Um, but that's a very efficient way to reach uh, people really fast. Um, and on the Facebook side, um, obviously, 
targeting with targeting people with your existing email list um, retargeting um, is is huge and retargeting yeah. is huge so those two are kind of simple quick ways to get started one thing i think is really interesting a trend that's um, become more and more uh, prevalent on Facebook. It's just like super, super hyper targeting using custom audiences. Yes. I actually was talking to, well, actually there was an article the other day that was really interesting. Somebody pranked their roommate by doing a custom audience that was just their roommate <laughs> and then targeting them with ads over and over, which was kind of funny. That is funny. Um, but wow. it's interesting that people but... are actually using that to market their business. Like some of these things aren't necessarily super, super scalable, but you know, when you're a startup, you just do things to get customers like in any way possible, right? So I know somebody who sort of was building, using custom audiences to actually target specific people, and then they would send them to a customized landing page. They just had a template, and then they put in all these names, and the customized landing page would say, hi, you know, hi, Mark, we really want to do this thing for you, like, click here, here's your offer for Mark, you know, so it's, like, super, super, super personal. Yeah. Um, Like I said, I mean, you have to be able to, like, obviously have some kind of template there or a system where you're not creating individual landing pages. But yeah, I think that's really interesting. But that's like, really one-on-one marketing and that's like a marketer's dream, right? Is yeah. to have the right message to the right person as opposed to one ad for 1,000 people versus yeah. 1,000 ads and messages yeah. for 1,000 people. Yeah, I mean, I haven't so looked at super... Facebook's ad sort of guidelines for a while because I know they're really picky about, you know, not having like caps or you can't say free or whatever. So yeah. I don't know if you're allowed to put somebody's name in there. Maybe not. I don't know. I haven't looked at the ad guidelines in a long time. Yeah, so I'm not yeah sure. but you could definitely do so on the landing page. So yeah, that's yeah. yours. So. so I think that's really interesting. Um, so what are some of the some of the mis- big mistakes you've seen founders make when they're trying to focus on growth? Like whether it's, you know, regardless of the channel, just growth in general, what are some of the big pitfalls so I think the best big pitfalls I've seen is not having the right skill set I mean and not choosing the right you know either agency or the person because this is it's it's getting to be a craft right just like anything else like you you wouldn't hire a person for example an intern to build your software architecture right no. a software architecture has to be solid foundation right and built to scale right and um, you need people who are the best. So it's similar, like you shouldn't try to be somebody you're not in a lot of ways, meaning like, um, because this, earlier it used to be easy to make money in online advertising, now it's just the auctions are so competitive. Just like in trading and finance, people are using more and more machines, more and more algorithms, more and more data science. So it's like, you don't wanna compete with, um, uh, you wanna go with all the, you know, tools in there and the right people. So uh, I would say, yeah, treating that very seriously because I think it's very, it's also kind of the fault of these ad ad networks, I think, where they make it super easy to create an ad and put in your budget and the ads run, but they make it easy to spend money, but not make money. Yeah. So (laughs) I mean, I actually, uh, there was this company I was talking to a while back and I actually sent them an email because I started, I looked at their company and then I started, you know, getting retargeted on Facebook, but I sent them an email because I'm like, you are wasting your money on these ads. Like you, I'm by no means an ad expert, but I knew they were wasting money. They had a picture. It literally said something like, it said, bored, try our product. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a testament to like the the fact that I don't know who wow. they had, you know, running these ads. Like hopefully they didn't, they didn't spend a lot of money. But some of these companies, you know, they just, they don't understand the first thing about advertising. So they think, oh, we just put a picture of our product. People are going to click on it. And then exactly. the, and the stuff that performs exactly. on Facebook really well is weird. Like if you look at some of the ads that are, that are, are eye-catching, they're super weird. Like they're designed to appeal to that like, you know, primitive part of your brain that wants to see like something weird. 
right? Exactly. Because take your attention away for a second. Because yeah, we're all so frazzled these days. Yeah. Like anything. Uh, I mean, and wh- one but, other um, one thing I don't know if you've noticed this as well, but one interesting insight I heard from somebody at Five Hundred who focuses on distribution, uh, Sean Percival. He always talks about, you know, uh, timeline ads and timeline on Facebook and people make the mistake of using these stock photos where it's like clearly it's like obviously a stock photo, right? It's not a real person. Right. And the thing is, timeline is mostly pictures of like food, regular people doing things. So he found that ads that look like timeline photos, like regular taken with an iPhone, you know, not professional, that those actually perform better. Because they're more human and more real and yeah, less... I guess, artificial in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. It doesn't look and, like an ad. Right, 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 right. So. And, I, and I think that goes to what you're asking me about fundamentals of how founders should think about ads is information, right? So Google, what Google and all these are trying to say is give people what they want, when they want, and the way they want, right? And if you treat it as a marketing gimmick or the way to just seduce them, you know, temporarily, you're not delivering enough value, right? Mm-hmm. And Google will reward you. You know, they they all they all they want you to kind of not have a distinction between the ad and the search page results, right? Which means, just like Google is trying to serve you the right top ten pages, you know, that really are useful. Your ads should be behave in that way as well. Yeah, I mean, as information, useful yeah, information. Like I should sort ads, of right? know what I'm getting into when I click through to the ad. I mean, one really yeah. basic mistake I've seen, and I'm sure you've seen it too is uh, companies will run ads and then it's it's sort of like an offer or something. Like you think, oh, I'm clicking on this and then I'm going to get a, a specific thing. And then the ad goes to their homepage. It's like... <gasps> that's wh- that's the number one mistake I've seen. Yeah, completely. It's like imagine, imagine somebody asks you, you know, you're there at Walmart, you know. It's a huge store, right? And you want to go buy diapers and they keep sending you to the front door, right? <laughs> I mean, they want to walk you through that aisle where the diapers are and exactly tell you what brand you want to buy. If they keep sending you at the entrance of the store, it's completely useless. Yeah. So it's similar, but it's obvious, but people still yeah, do it. It's yeah, it's a basic thing, but I guess, right. you know, people, <laughs> I, I think one of the, a lot of the pitfalls in sort of uh, marketing, at least like, you know, using ads is in being so sort of involved in your product that you don't understand what the value is from an outsider's perspective. Yeah, yeah. Right? So what do, what do you think some ways, like say, you know, you have a product, you want to like sort of figure out that value for the ad that you want to present. Um, what are some ways for people to do that? Like, do you think maybe like talking to customers? Like what, what are some methods maybe? Oh, how to figure out yeah, your figure message? Yeah, like your value be... and your message, yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea. And obviously all these... Um... So, so I think you can set up, so for any new product, I mean, Unbounce, you know, mm-hmm. Unbounce and Optimizely, they're, you know, Optimizely is kind of later stage, but uh, for testing your targeted messaging and your value proposition, Unbounce just gives you an awesome platform, right, to quickly churn out yeah. all sorts of texts and images and different permutations and combinations. That's, that's one way. Um, I think the second way is if you have an existing set of users um, and people kind of fail at this all the time like you could actually interview them like you said and ask them what you need to so i mean there's tools like uh, survey.io and you know qualru mm-hmm. um that you can kind of and then even intercom now you're talking with customers one-on-one so yeah. there's a lot of ways you could um, gather this feedback but just like we talk about empathy-based design you know, we should talk about empathy-based advertising as well. So, yeah, yeah, getting into the other people's Don't shoes. Don't try to and... trick people. Don't try to trick people. That's probably, like, 
I think a lot of that happens where people yeah, think... Yeah, yeah. And I think in the offline world, like, we're so used to, you know, doing business with friends, right? They say, like, um, if you had a choice, you know, you would do business with friends. If you didn't have a huge lot of choice, you'll still do business with friends, right? That's what they say. And it takes, a, it takes I think, uh, a few... You have to provide value initially, and then there's trust, and then there's a relationship, and then there may be business. But you can't just, you know, and I think that's the second point I had about what people do wrong as well. You asked me that earlier is targeting, giving different, you have to give them the right message at where they are in the funnel, right? If people are just browsing, you have to give them what's useful then versus comparing products versus a little bit down the funnel when they're ready to buy. They just want completely different things. So you may be relevant to them as a product, but your ad and your landing page and your offer may not coincide with where they are in the funnel at that stage. So yeah. it's super important to yeah. and then target them when and give them what they want right now. At the right point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um so what about, you know, growth is a really broad sort of area, you know, it's 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 sort of like all encompassing in marketing now, right? People right. sort of refer to marketing as growth now. But how do you think um, sort of these like really tactical things we're talking about, like, you know, whether it's ad campaigns, like, you know, trying to, you know, doing all these kinds of things to like, get customers into the funnel. How should those things sort of work together with other parts of more traditional marketing, like maybe, you know, content, PR, um, branding? How do you think those things should sort of like play together? I guess part of that is what sort of Do Revolution is focused on, right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we do for companies is kind of bring that. Uh, well, we start the one way to one way we think about it is um, in terms of your budget, right, and the risk you're willing to take, right. So we look at all your channels and figure out where these, uh, you know, where there's less inflation in these prices and mm -hmm. what what networks make sense according to your target audience, and we just arrange it from kind of a risk profile, right? Like which is the least risky to the most risky, right? Yeah. And that's how we plan plan scaling um, scaling people's efforts. The second way to do it is to make sure you have, you know, you have distinct KPIs um, for, you know, different things, right? Like yeah. you can't, and then you need KPIs that, um, you know, equate all of this to some major KPI, right? So for example, for organic, like you want to measure like amplification, you know, share of search. For social, you know, you want to measure like micro conversions, um, meaning like, you know, it's not a lead or it's not a sale, but micro conversion would be something like a PDF download or a video view, right? That's still some value, right? Um, or return visits through alternate proxies, right? Or um, your sentiment analysis on negative and positive. But so basically have KPIs for all your marketing efforts at different levels, but then also have a unifying KPI that, you know, that turns into a number at some point. Yeah. So I think that's kind of, and, and then look at it in terms of risk or where you are and where you need to be. Cool. So either you start, I mean, there's two, uh, right? If you have a lot of money and if you want to, you can afford to spend it, then go really wide and try a bunch of channels and then quickly narrow down, or you start very narrow, very risk averse, and then kind of broaden out as you, as you make sense. So the benefit to starting broad is you may discover things that you may have not thought of, and you will do it before competition. Um, if you're too conservative, you know, you won't be able to discover, you know, things that, um, random things you come across that may become huge opportunities. And as you know, there's all these big companies uh, hit that growth line somewhere that they didn't even expect. So. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, so what we do for companies is always have a 90% kind of 
uh, risk managed portfolio and like a 10% for playing games and creativity. Tinkering, so yeah. It, so that tinkering doesn't really affect your, you know, whatever you report to your board because, you know, you don't want to make a channel sound bad. Like it, AdWords is not working for us just because that tinkering took up 90% of your budget in a month. So just keep separate and measure the risk separately. Cool. Um, all right. Thanks so much for talking today. Lots of really great insights about growth. Do you have any, I know you mentioned a couple of services before, but do you have any um, other sort of services off the top of your head that you think people should be looking into in terms of, you know, learning about growth or maybe like cool little tools to, to measure what they're doing? Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely be, um, I'm setting up a blog where there's a lot of content on growth itself, so that could be a good resource to get um, started on it, right? Um, And um, obviously there's a a couple of, uh, uh, there's a website called GrowHack, that's that's kind of um, a a good forum where you can learn a lot. There is um, another website called Growth Hacker TV, um, that you could subscribe to, and it has a lot of interviews, and the forum yeah. is really, really active in terms of it's actually kind of practical, fun to, yeah. at, uh, practical growth hacks that you could actually apply. Um, it's actually kind of fun to go to that website and see all the little tactics they try to get you to subscribe because they'll have like you know they're trying to grow as well, so you'll right. see like so a like countdown timer, then a pop up ninety minutes like, yeah. discount. It's, and... it's like pressure, pressure to like subscribe. So it's kind of funny if you go there, but lots of good interviews there too. I've I've enjoyed watching those. Yeah, yeah, and for for individual channels. Um, um, I would definitely, you know, recommend um, their YouTube channels. I think they're very visual and very useful. So, and we'll be posting a lot of stuff along the lines. So, yeah, cool. So I'll we'll let have, you know. Yeah, we'll have some stuff on the blog from Samir, and I'll actually link um, in the show notes for this. You have a couple uh, presentations that I think are really helpful, so I'll put those there too. Sounds good. Thanks so much for talking to Samir. Thank you, Mark. It was a pleasure.